Happy birthday, America. This is the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. I'm your host, Doug Ray, and with me is uh, Mr. Bryce Payne. Welcome aboard, Bryce. Thank you, Doug. Good to see you. Happy 4th of July, everybody, and a happy birthday, America. Glad you are still alive and with us after all these years. Doug, what is going on with you? Ready for a break. How about you? A little bit. It's going to a little hot, isn't it? A little hot and muggy these last few days. That's why we're headed up to the mountains. Are you? Yep. Where are you headed? Banner Elk. Okay. Yeah, we love it up there, especially this time of year. Very good. I am going to uh, Jordan Lake myself to okay. uh, take the camper over there and enjoy some isolation as I continue to study for this RICP. Yeah, you got one or, more segment. Knock one, it out, one dude. One more segment. Got a lot of studying to do <laughs> for it. Very good. Well, Doug, uh, shall we give our uh, kudos and uh, accolades to our uh, first responders and men and women in military uniforms and all those people who put their lives on the line for us on this uh, festive holiday weekend? By all means. By all means. Folks, thank you very much for everything that you do and to your families for all that they sacrifice as well. We do appreciate it. You are in our thoughts on every weekend, but especially this weekend as well. So thank you very much for all that you do. Doug, what are we talking about So folks, I thought we'd keep it on the lighter side today since it is 4th of July celebration time and... uh, Thought we'd start out by talking about some history of this country financial-wise. And first on deck is something called the Federal Reserve System. And uh, there's not anything federal about it other than the name. So Bryce, enlighten us. Yeah, well, since we, since we celebrate Independence Day in July each year, obviously, uh, let's use that as an inspiration to learn a little more about our nation's history. And I'm excited for this show, Doug, the first half and the second half specifically. Now, since this is a financial show, let's take a look at some of our country's largest and oldest financial institutions. And as you said, we're going to get started with the Federal Reserve. And uh, we're going to put this out there in the form of some trivia questions, I guess. Who is the current chair of the Federal Reserve? If you know it out there, folks, shout it out. Let me hear you. I heard a couple answers. It is Jerome Powell, and he was previously served under George H.W. Bush as the undersecretary of the U.S. Department of the Treasury. So he's the one calling the shots right now. And Trump tweets about him a lot. He does. He does indeed. uh, Tweets tweets to him a lot. This is what you need to do. This is what what I want you to do. But uh, why would he be any exception? So the purposes of the Federal Reserve— is it conducts the nation's monetary policy that promotes maximum employment, stable prices, uh, moderate and long-term interest rates in the U.S. economy. Overall, it's focused on the safety and stability of our nation's economy. Now, I will give you a note here. The Fed is actually decentralized into 12 districts that operate independently, but under the supervision of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. It's unlike any other organization in the federal government, Doug, as you know. The most common mention of the Fed in our everyday lives seems to revolve around the setting of interest rates. That's where it comes into play for most of us, at least on the level that we recognize it. How big of a role does that play in the average investor's life and uh, and much should we pay how much should we pay attention to announcements and releases 
that come from the Fed, I would say enormously. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because it is everybody sitting out there whining about CD rates being so low. Well, it's because the Fed put it there. Right, so. right. Yeah. Who was the uh, who was the Fed chairman? Um, the uh, I'm bad with names. The older gentleman who was in there for so long. Greenspan. Greenspan. You know what they had figured out with him? Maybe you might have caught this, but. Of course, everyone would love to know ahead of time, what is the Fed going to do with interest rates? Mm -hmm. And every time that he would go into uh, his building to speak to Congress or where he would go in to make announcements on what he was going to do with interest rates, the press figured out that if he was going in with a full briefcase, mm-hmm. like a couple yep. of briefcases yep. or whatnot, that. Right. that it was it was a sign that he was going to change interest rates. If yep. he went in with just an unfilled briefcase and just a light little shoulder bag, it meant that nothing was going to happen. And people figured that out and were making their investment moves before he actually made the announcement. I love that. Oh, I remember uh, watching the, the morning business shows, Maria Bartiroma, talking about that uh, every Fed meeting. You know, how many briefcases does he have? Right, right. What's, <laughs> oh, that's he's got three. That means it's a full one point. <laughs> change. <laughs> uh, and here's another trivia f- uh, question for you out there, folks. How much U.S. currency is currently in circulation? Now, I know a lot of you will say not enough, and some of you others, you might say way too much. Doug, do you want to take a guess as to uh, how much U.S. currency is currently in circulation out there? A lot. A lot plus? <clears throat> a lot more. A lot plus a lot more. <laughs> 1.9 trillion. I imagine we're probably, this is about a month old, so it might be that we're even close I'm to sure it's 2, more 2 trillion at this point. <laughs> But uh, that's a lot, folks, uh, to put it mildly. There's a lot of money in circulation. Uh, I wish more of it was in my bank account, but uh, that's a question. That's a conversation I'll have with Doug a little bit later. <laughs> All right. Doug, what we're going to let's let, I'll throw it over to you. Let's talk about something that's kind of associated with the Federal Reserve, the mint. The mint. Yeah, the mint is the place that mints the money, that uh, currency that's in, in circulation. And uh, they actually have a slogan called Connecting America Through Coins. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am a bit of a coin collector myself and got started Oh, when I was a kid. My grandfather gave me a silver dollar on every, uh, every birthday. And it's kind of neat to collect some of these things. But uh, the first mint was established in 1792 in Philadelphia. And uh, now the f- facilities that produce are in uh, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Denver, Denver. West Point, New York, and they typically produce what is called collector coins, proof coins. And uh, Fort Knox kind of keeps a lot of the uh, the gold there. But here's a bit of trivia for you. How many of you knew that Charlotte, North Carolina actually had a mint? Sure did. Yeah, I knew that. Back before the San Francisco gold strike in 1849, North Carolina and Georgia mined a lot of gold. So a mint was started, I think it was 1838, in Charlotte and Dalonga, Georgia. And basically it was for these miners to bring their gold in, and the mints produced $1, $2.5, $3.00, and $5.00 gold coins. And you might imagine that uh, when the Civil War came, those mints got shut down, and they did. So now if you own a Charlotte gold coin or a DeLonga gold coin, then you have a very valuable piece. I'll have to check out my uh, my little coin collection, see if I've got one of those, Doug. Wasn't the longest or one of the longest gold veins in the United States running through North Carolina? I think it was. It absolutely was. That might have been part of the reason that that was uh, here. Well, Doug, we, uh, you know, going back to the other question about how much money is in circulation, 
folks, if you're planning for retirement out there and you're curious if you have enough of that money in circulation in your accounts to have a successful retirement, Doug, we can help him figure out that answer. Just like we did uh, with our client the other day. You helped him in a very tough spot. That was an interesting call. Um, and unfortunately, it's, it's uh, one of several that we've gotten in the mm-hmm. last few months from existing clients. He was planning on working for about four more years, and he got called in by his uh, admin the other week and said, look, you can either accept this severance package or you can risk being let go. He said, well, I don't, I don't want to quit. I, I just got my financial plan done with my financial advisors. I'm working another four years. I'm not going to take a severance package. They gave him another shot a couple days later. They said, hey, look, we're going to give you another shot. Do you want to take the severance package or do you want to risk being let go? And he called me up and said, Bryce, I think we might need to sit down and redo this plan. I I know how much they're offering me, and I just don't know if I should take this or not. And they didn't give him a lot of time to make the decision either, right? That was my very first question. Uh, Well, I said, you know, hey, uh, Mac, I'm sorry to hear this. Uh, We've gotten a number of these calls in the last few weeks. Let's sit down here. Let me take a look at my calendar. Uh, When do you have to get back to them? Tomorrow at midnight. (laughs) Okay, well, fortunately, I have some spots available tomorrow before midnight that we can uh, sit down and chat. So I would put him on the calendar for, this was just yesterday, and he came in, and um, he had a little bit more of a smile on his face than I had expected, and I got to talking, and it turns out that on his way over to us, his boss has called him back again and said, good news, we've had enough other people accept the the severance package that uh, we have enough people to have taken it that you don't have to, your job is safe. You don't have to go meet with your advisor if you don't want to. But he decided to keep the appointment and head over this way anyway just to talk. And um, I think that was an outstanding idea. And we ran the worst-case scenario. Let's say that they hadn't called you back. Or let's assume that maybe in a couple of weeks the situation is worse than they are thinking right now and they offer you another severance package. Let's go ahead and run these numbers right now. Well, the good news is that even if he had been let go with that severance package, we came to the conclusion that he wouldn't be destitute at any point, that he would still have enough money left over at age 100, which is generally what we shoot for. So it was all good news in the end. He was in a much better situation than what he had hoped. And now that if that situation presents itself again, he will not be so set back on his heels, so to speak, being afraid of what might come of that. So uh, it, it was all good. But folks, that is one of the things of many things that we do for our clients is help you figure out when changes arise in your financial situation, what does this mean? How do we have to um, resituate things to ensure that you are still living the retirement that you uh, have become accustomed to? Uh, Doug, we do a lot more for our clients than just that, though. Yeah, folks, and I I just want to make you aware that our door is wide open for every one of you. God, I hope you don't find yourself in this position like uh, uh, this fellow did, but maybe you just want a second opinion about what you're doing. The door's open. All you got to do is just uh, walk through it. The number's 336-391-3409. We follow all the CDC social distancing uh, uh, protocol. So uh, pick up the phone and call us at 336-391-3409. And my golly, that first segment's already over, Bryce. It is, and I haven't read the trivia question yet. Folks, we have got a great second half of the show for you. I'm very excited. We're going to go off a script a little bit here and talk about July 4th. So my trivia question that we will get back to after the break is, what specifically happened on July 4th, 1776? Might not be what you think. Stick around, and we will be right back. 
And welcome back to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show, the July 4th edition. This is Bryce Payne coming with you with Doug Ray here. Thank you for sticking around after the break. Folks, if you are listening out there and you're five to seven years from retirement and you want to confirm that you're making the best decisions for retirement, well, I've got good news for you. We offer a no-cost, no-obligation second review so you can learn how we retire the job yet keep you the paycheck. All you have to do is go to your phone, pick it up, and dial 336-391-3409. 336-391-3409. These are some interesting times going on out there, and it's never been a better time to ensure that you are in a proper alignment for retirement because, folks, I tell you, there are people out there who thought they were working a few more years who suddenly find themselves not working. It is better to have these answers for yourself now than later. So, Doug... I asked for the uh, before the break, the trivia question for this episode was, what specifically happened on July 4th, 1776? Do you want to take a guess at that? Uh, they invented fireworks. They invented fireworks. Actually, no, fireworks go back to... Uh, Chinese. Yeah. Thousands of years thousands ago. Years ago. Yep, I, I learned that. Well, uh, let's get us that answer. What specifically happened on July 4th, 1776? I hope everyone out there has had a minute to think about that. I like this segment of the show. What we're going to do is go through a little timeline of America's birth here from the colonies up until George Washington's inauguration, and we will cover that answer specifically when we get to July 4th. So the Revolutionary War started on April 19th, 1775, and that is the event that we hear about in our history books where Paul Revere was warning colonists. What he was really warning the colonists about was that the Brits were uh, coming from Boston down to Concord to take over the armory that the colonists had been using. There had been little skirmishes between the British army and the colonial, the colonists' armies uh, over various things, but it was not about separation at that point. So that was when what they referred to as the shot heard round the world. That was what started the American Revolution as, as we know it now. It, as I said, it started not with the intent to separate from England. Oddly enough, we always think that that shot was about you know, us finally saying we want to separate from England. And actually, no, the battle that started in 1775 was us trying to get uh, England to revise some of its taxation laws and the representation laws of the colonies. It was not about separation. Support for actual separation grew amongst colonists over the course of one year. So at the start of it, only a few people were yelling separation, and they were considered pretty pretty extremists out there, wingnuts, as, as some people might say. At first, it was, uh, well, independence uh, was a first officially called for by a Virginia delegate named Richard Henry Lee on June 7th, 1776. So we're one month out now. The vote was delayed, but a five-man committee was appointed to draft a formal statement of independence. So the vote was delayed. They refused to vote on it on June 7th, but they said, let's go ahead and make a formal statement of independence and see how we feel on that. And uh, why don't we go ahead and appoint uh, John Adams, you join that five-person committee. Thomas Jefferson, you join that five-person committee. Ben Franklin, you go ahead and get on that committee. Who else? Okay, you other two guys that history will never remember your names. You get on this committee as well. Put something together, a formal draft of separation, and then we'll all vote on it uh, a little bit later. So they did that, and one month later, they came back on July 2nd, 1776, and the Continental Congress voted in favor of separation from England. 
Now, that was July 2nd. Two days later, on July 4th, so here's the answer to our trivia question. Two days later, on July 4th, 1776, the delegates from the 13 colonies voted to formally adopt what is now known as the Declaration of Independence. So that is what happened on July 4th, was that the delegates from the 13 colonies formally voted to adopt the Declaration of Independence. So are you saying that Independence Day really should be July 2nd? Interesting that you asked that, Doug. I'll get to that in just a moment. Okay. It was a unanimous vote, except for one colony known as New York. They abstained. So 12 of the 13 colonies voted for it. One colony abstained. Interesting here now, Doug, to your question. John Adams, who you know passed away on July 4th, 50 years later, Mm -hmm. John Adams refused to recognize July 4th as our day of independence. He believed, since on July 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress had voted in favor of separation from England, he believed that was the more significant day and the more significant vote, not just the formal adaptation of it. So in years later, July 4th was recognized as America's holiday right off the bat. Even in 1777, that was the first year's birth, and we recognized it then and we celebrated then. Years later, John Adams was always requested, would you appear here on July 4th? He always refused to appear anywhere in public on July 4th. Interesting. Because he said, no, I will be happy to appear somewhere on July 2nd, but I do not recognize July 4th as any day of significance. And, you know, I, I can kind of see his point of view on that. Yeah, um, really. It's, it was the more, the more significant uh, date. Might have been July 2nd. So here's something you might not know. Okay. Thomas Jefferson also died on July 4th. He did. 50 years, same day, same day. Same day. He and Adams were mortal political enemies. Until the very end. Until the very end, and they became friends. Yes. Only by letter, though, I think, right? Didn't they? I don't think they met again after they had buried the hatchet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and neither one realized that the other one had passed away, obviously, because they both passed away on the same day. But what struck me, what I didn't know, is that it was 50 years later. How old were these guys when they were penning the Declaration of Independence? I don't know. 25? Maybe. Listeners, that's your job. Go out and find out today. Please how find old? out for us. How, how old were they? How old were they when they penned the Declaration of Independence? I'm always amazed that Pink Floyd wrote the songs that they wrote when they were in their mid-20s with how deep those lyrics were. How smart were these guys that they wrote the Declaration oh, founders? of Independence and the gosh. Constitution when they were in their 20s or at the very least early 30s? My goodness, now we have presidents who are 80 and 90 years old? Holy cow. I, I truly believe that was divine intervention. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a, in a few minutes as well. So continuing on, yeah, we've got to July 4th now. So now on November 15th, 1777, a year and a half later, the Articles of Confederation were adopted by the Continental Congress. So that was 1777. In 1781, the American independence virtually came to an end, or essentially came to an end, when General Cornwallis, the British general, was surrounded and forced to surrender in Yorktown, Virginia. That was the last major battle between the Brits and what we would now say are the Americans. It wasn't, though, in November 1781, so we're now talking, I don't know when in 1781 the war, uh, when that General Cornwallis in, uh, in Yorktown, Virginia happened, but in November 1781, this is a cool bit of information, John Hansen became the first president of the United States in Congress assembled. Hmm. John Hansen. The difference is here that everyone out there might be listening uh, might say, well, what are you talking about, Bryce? George Washington was the first president of the United States. 
George Washington was the first president of the United States under the Constitution. Now, if you're following my timeline here, we're still operating under the um, Articles of Confederation. So that was our, essentially our first constitution. We don't refer to it as a constitution because we call it the Constitution the Constitution. But John Hansen became the first president of the United States, and there were a couple of others before George Washington, but we'll get into that. The war technically continued, even though it was essentially just skirmishes now. The war technically continued for two more years until September 3rd, 1783, when it officially ended with the signing of what? Doug, do you know? Tell me. The Treaty of Paris. Treaty of Paris. Okay, I remember that from history books. The signing of the Treaty of Paris. Therefore, on June 21st, 1788, the Constitution was now ratified and replaced the Articles of Confederation. So we actually had three presidents under the Articles of Confederation of the United States. John Hanson was the first. I apologize. I don't know the names of the other two. And that's something you probably didn't know. I, I knew that there were three or four. I didn't, I didn't memorize the name of John Hanson. On April 30th, 1789, here we go. George Washington was inaugurated as the first president under the Constitution. Something a little bit unique about George Washington that no other president has been able to accomplish. He was the only president to be elected with a unanimous vote of the Electoral College. (laughs) Not only did he do that once, he did it both times he was elected. And that'll never happen again. It never, I don't think the way it's <laughs> no. the way the country is going these days, I think it's going to be kind of a 50-50 split for quite some time. So that is a quick rundown of our history, folks. And Doug, you know, I, I like to consider myself a little bit of a student of history, though I've never been a good student, period, so I don't know what that's really saying. But when I have read uh, little books about the birth of America and all these little details on it, it makes my jaw drop how many times we almost didn't win that war. Oh, yeah. I mean, just little things like before a soldier got captured, uh, a colonist uh, soldier got captured, he accidentally dropped notes that he was trying to get to a general. So when they captured him, he didn't have any notes on him. He didn't realize that he didn't have the notes on him. They were found years later in a field. But had they captured him and he still had the notes on him, they would have been able to intercept, and that would have probably been the undoing of uh, the rebellion, so to speak. There was another situation where uh, another British soldier had dropped his notes wrapped up in a cigar that he was trying to get to a general, and we did find those notes and were able to uh, unscramble the code and act on them, which helped us win a certain battle. I wish I had more details for you. But there are just countless items like that that if everything had not gone our way, as you said, Doug, Godspeed, you know, that was there was some divine intervention there going on. Well, you know, the Washington's Cape is in the Smithsonian and there's bullet holes in it, several. Oh, really? Yep. And they tried to shoot him off uh, the horse, but uh, miracles do happen. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, how about absolutely. that? Wow, you're not supposed to aim for the generals. You know, that used to be a rule of war. You don't aim for the generals, you aim for the regular soldiers. Yeah, everything's fair in war. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug, I don't, I, this is a, this is a, I'll try to make this a soft segue here. I don't want to compare us to the founding fathers or well, anything no. like that. But you and I at the Wealth Guardians, uh, we also fight for independence in a sense. And our clients who come to us, they're seeking financial independence as they enter retirement. And we help them strategize and create a game plan that helps them declare victory so that they can enjoy the freedoms that they've been envisioning for themselves as they worked hard for the last four decades to get to retirement. Doug, how exactly do we help our clients 
obtain financial independence? Well, the first thing we do is we meet with them, typically about four meetings, sometimes three, sometimes longer. Folks, I'll tell you, it would be the most detailed, thorough process you've ever been through. It will. But, you know, you need that for retirement because, remember, you don't have any more paychecks coming in. We're going to create those endless paychecks for you in retirement. Well, you come in on the first meeting. It's a simple get-to-know-each-other, and we take some information, some statements, and that kind of thing. Second meeting, we talk about Social Security. We talk about risk in your portfolio. We talk about fees and so forth. Third meeting, we come in. We put together a written retirement roadmap for you. And then in the fourth meeting, we bind it all up in a written retirement plan for you to take home and study and actually use as a document you can ride off into the sunset with. Nice. And it has helped many, many people. And we would like to help you out as well, folks. If, uh, if you are uncertain about what your retirement might look like or when retirement might start, please do give us a call. 336-391-3409. I'll say that number again. 336-391-3409. You can also visit us on the interweb, www.thewealthguardians.com. Folks, we really do appreciate you hanging with us today. Happy 4th of July weekend to you. Uh, We do hope to see you here again next weekend. Doug, have a great weekend. You too, Bryce. Everybody, happy 4th. Take care. Take care.